What we're about is giving them automatic access to thousands of different data sources and not only giving them the access, but also the discovery of new data sources and also recommend for those teams which data will be relevant to their particular problem. You're listening to Identity Revolution, a podcast from the consumer identity management experts at Infutor Data Solutions. In each episode, we invite industry leaders for data-driven discussions on all things marketing, analytics, and identity. Join us as we take a deep dive into industry trends, strategies, and the future of data technology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Infutor Data Solutions Identity Revolution podcast. My name is Corey Davis. I lead the MarTech, AdTech, and Media Industry Vertical and Category here at Infutor, and very, very excited for, for our next guest, Omar Hare from Explorium. He is co-founder and chief technology officer of Explorium. Just going to run through a quick intro here because it's pretty impressive. Your recent appearance on the Gartner Cool Vendor list, one of a few of the very sort of high growth startups coming out of the, the Tel Aviv area and that tech scene there. Recently announced Series C funding of $75 million led by the folks at Inside Partners bringing total funding of the business to $127 million. Companies like BlueVine, GlassesUSA.com, and Pepsi use Explorium to enhance AI models and use cases, including lead scoring, identifying default risk and fraud, and up-leveling analytics, such as demand forecasting and customer LTV, lifetime value. He is a a co-founder and CTO, Omer Thank you so much for joining us today. Very excited to have you on the podcast. Sure. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. So I think to just kind of jump right in, obviously, pretty impressive business, pretty new business, but pretty impressive business for sure. I guess let's just to get started, can you give the audience kind of two, three minute background on yourself and how you and your co-founders came to to start Explorium? Sure. So I have about 20 years of experience in, in technology. I started as a developer in, in Microsoft. And then later on, once I finished my uh, secondary degree, I moved into Microsoft Research in, uh, in Cambridge, where I worked mainly on optimization and data science um, problems. Then I came back home after Cambridge and I um, joined IronSource. IronSource is well, a huge edtech unicorn from Israel too where I built the data science team. There is about 15 people working on that team today. And then about three and a half, almost four now, years ago, I joined hand with two of my partners, or Tamir and Moshe Lomo, to establish Explorium. Awesome. Awesome. And Explorium is a data science platform, I guess, as you think about, well, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean to you? So I will, I will CTO of Explorium. Sure. I'll be more accurate than that. It's not a data science platform, but it's actually an external data platform for machine learning and advanced analytics and what that means. Basically, what we've seen in the market is that in many BS data science team and also analyst team, when they have a problem that they need to solve, they're using the data that they have access to. In many of the cases, they only have access to first-party data. And in many of the cases that, the data is siloed, so they also have kind of limited access to that data too. What Exploring wanted to bring is actually access to a, a wide variety of external data sources that will be able to augment on your models, on your analysis, in order to get to better analysis, better insights. Basically, let's say the accuracy metrics of, of those models should go up 
as a result of using external data sources. That's overall what we're trying to do. We discovered in the last four years working with our customers that it's very difficult to onboard a new data source. It's usually take for a company between three or four months in order to onboard even a single data sources. And what we're about is giving them automatic access to thousands of different data sources and not only giving them the access, but also the discovery of new data sources and also recommend for those teams which data will be relevant to their particular problem by use case, by using machine learning in order to identify those uh, relevant features and by using, uh, let's say, ML ops and data science tools overall in order to allow them to integrate that into production, to allow them to use that into production. Got it, got it. And so you mentioned some of the use cases or at least helping with use cases. I guess it'd be helpful maybe if you could talk through what are those core use cases that Explorium is helping Sure. marketers and data scientists course, and the market broadly with. Sure. So in the last four years, Explorium built a huge catalog of external data sources. You can find any data in that catalog. You can find open data that we downloaded and kind of structured. You can find premium data that we bought from our customers. You can find, uh, let's say, partner, what we call it sometimes partnership data, which we, have, which mean we have a network of partners that we're working with and we share data between us. And we also have uh, proprietary data sources that we generated ourselves. Those type of data sources can actually help in a wide variety of use cases, anywhere from AML, anti-money laundering, into fraud, risk, both for consumer and for businesses, and then lead scoring for businesses and consumers, and demand forecasting, and so on. So we have a wide variety of use cases we work with. Specifically, if I'm going to focus on the you know, most relevant one, I will focus on risk B2B, like risk for usually commercial underwriting, which is an important cluster of, of customer that we have. I will talk about B2B marketing, which means how do you, for example, lead scoring for marketing, specifically lead scoring around brick and mortar type of businesses. Think about businesses that you have also a kind of a physical location. So you, you can know a lot about the business, not only from the information about the business itself, but also information about the area that this business lives in. For example, food traffic and other type of data that we can bring in. And then we have fraud also. It's also a big cluster where we use basically data in order to help companies identify fraud better. Got it. That's, uh, that's super compelling. I guess on the fraud side, have you seen, obviously we're hearing that fraud has increased through pandemic and through changing lifestyles and through people being at home the last 14, 15 months. Mm-hmm. Can, I guess, can you talk a little bit about, like, is that a trend that you're seeing as well? And well, I guess, how's your, how's your data helping? Yeah, sure. So in fact, what we're seeing is not only specifically kind of the change in patterns is not specifically to fraud, right? It's in, in many other type of businesses. The corona itself actually kind of... Uh, change the, the regular patterns in many of the businesses that we, we have around us, right? Imagine any retail that had physical stores, what happened with Corona with them. So what we discovered is that many of our customers and many of other companies that we meet, basically once the Corona hit, needed to stop using their historical data because it's no longer indicative for the patterns and they need external data sources in order to kind of identify or understand the world around them by looking in other data sources other than the first data, uh, first party data that you had, the historical first party data that they collected. And we see the same fraud. The pattern had changed throughout the last year and a half. 
we're able to help them using multiple different data providers that we have. Infooter is, is one of them, obviously, then we, we definitely use that within those type of use cases, heavily use that within those type of, of use case. But you can also think about the change in the number of accounts that the, a specific guy is opening or a specific uh, customer is opening and other type of information that we can bring on top of Infooter in order to help our customer identify fraud even better. Sure, absolutely. Appreciate that. Okay. And so to take a step back beyond certainly data science, data broadly, huge trend for a while now, but there's certainly a lot of other things going on in the industry. Specifically, a lot of our focus is is more on the marketing side, but just broadly in data, as we think about the deprecation of third-party cookie, Mm -hmm. iOS 14.5, bringing challenges to mobile Obviously, regulations, GDPR, CCPA, mm-hmm. the the prominence and, and dominance of walled garden. I guess when you think about data and data science and this huge role that it plays for the future of the enterprise, where does Explorium fit in all of that? And where are you helping your partners adjust, I guess, to this wild and crazy world that we're in? Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. I think that's kind of in the heart of what we build in Explorium. We have a wide variety of customers going from, I would say, small startups to mid-tier companies to huge enterprise, right? That's kind of the type of customer that we work with. So one of the things that we're seeing, especially in, in bigger enterprise, I actually understood that, I guess, because, just because of the use of faster, is that enterprises and also mid-tier companies need to have what we call data acquisition strategy. Data acquisition, if you're able to quickly locate data that is relevant to you, and integrate that into your decision-making, that will become a competitive edge in exactly the way the transformation that you're talking about. When you have thousands of new data providers coming up every year, when they are able to provide better and better product or data product for you to use, the key, the ability to quickly find the right data and try to integrate that or integrate that into your decision-making and do the iteration, do the experimentation quickly, find what data is relevant to you and use it in order to make better decisions is crucial for any enterprise in order to create competitive advantage over their competitors. So I think that looking at, at what's happening into the data world, into the data science world, which, which, are, which are getting closer every day, by the way, and exploring is smack in the middle between those two super interesting industries, by the way, I think that the ability that we provide or the kind of where we fit in is basically to provide this data acquisition strategy for the whole company. So you'll be able to quickly access a, wide, a huge variety of different data sources with different entities. We can enrich a company. We can also enrich places. We can also enrich dates with weather data and events data. To get all of that very quickly, where you can access that very quickly for your data science and analytics team can be a major competitive advantage over other companies. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess thinking about kind of current state and where we are today, a global health crisis, lots of data regulations and changing consumer behavior, all these things kind of happening. Then I guess for me to kind of take a step back, you've been in the industry and in the space for, it sounds like close to 20 years. I guess, how is the data marketplace? How is the data science market how has that evolved as you've seen it throughout your career? And and then also the second part of that is what's coming next? Okay. 
So first, I feel very old when you portray that this way, right? When you're saying, how do you see the change? Just as an anecdote, interesting anecdote, when I joined Microsoft Research and we wanted to run logistic, uh, sorry, linear regression, we actually needed to code code it up in C Sharp in order to train the model, which is now, for any data science that is now in the industry, sound like a pure madness. But it's kind of remind me of, my, of the stories my mother told me about how she worked with computer with kind of tickets where you punch a hole in order to code. So that's my uh, card with uh, holes. I think that in the what I've seen, first, there's a couple of interesting things. First, I want to compare kind of the change in BI, the, in the BI industry to the change in the AI industry. But what I mean is that around 2000, where the BI revolution started, there was a lot of analysts and all of them, and you could start seeing tools for analysts, for example, Tableau and Looker and those type of companies. In the beginning, it was very hard to penetrate. Every, all the analysts said, no, no, this is something that we know how to do. It's very proprietary to our job, to our position and our business case that we're working on. Later on, within, I guess, 10 years or so, everybody understood that, no, if you want to do visualization today, we're not going to do that by hand. You're not going to write that in Java, right? You're going to use Tableau, any other BI, Sysense, for example, in order to do that. What we've seen in, on the AI industry in the last five to six years is very similar. It started by having data science as recognized as a discipline that the people want to uh, use. And then you'll see, you saw many, many tools come going in from AutoML, cloud providers, and so on. What we've seen in the last five years is much more faster than the BI revolution, where you've seen the AI revolution where Many tools went in, and now if you're a data science, you should be using, I hope you're using tools to help you build better models, to get better data, to validate your models, to validate kind of the, the results of your model and so on. So what I'm kind of pointing is that you can compare those two industries, and I believe that you'll see the same thing there. And what I do think that we'll see in the next five years is, first, almost it will be unthinkable, like unheard of, if you will be as a data science, will code, you know, write your own code for everything. Just like no data science today will code up a training, logistic regression training or linear regression training, then that will also happen in two, three years. Nobody will write their own code. We're going to use AutoML and kind of cloud providers to do that. Just similar with what's happening to the BI industry. One caveat about that is about the model themselves and kind of training the model. At least from my perspective, I see the algorithms themselves running or training a model to be almost commoditized already. In a sense that you have thousands of tools that you can do, you can have open source, whatever you want to do in order to do that quicker than what we did three years ago, and especially six years ago where you need to code up the algorithm by yourself. One thing that I, it's still an open problem, which exploring tackles, and this is exactly why, how, why I think that uh, the main thing in data science is the data, and less of the science in the sense that the algorithm is already commoditized, is how do you find the right data to feed into those platforms or models or algorithm, whatever you want to choose? And I think that is a a big problem, and this is exactly what Explorer is trying to uh, solve. And if I'm trying to look five years into the future, I would believe, and I'm doing my best to do that, every enterprise and every company will use a platform such as Explorium in order to access external data sources and make sure that they have the right data to solve their their, their problem and not the data they have, but the data they should use. Got it. Love it. The uh, compelling, good, high-quality data asset is something we're certainly very excited Mm -hmm. for that future. So, 
Okay. I want to take another step back. Okay. So you're a software executive at a cool, high growth startup. Yes, that business is data science and a data business and a data platform. But what other cool, innovative stuff, maybe completely outside of of your day job, are you paying attention to? Maybe it's somebody else in Tel Aviv, somebody over here stateside. Who's got attention? Yeah, okay. I would start by saying that uh, I'm also a father and a husband with two kids, so I don't have a lot of time. Other than Explorium and the family, I think I don't have a lot of time to pay attention to anything, unfortunately. However, one thing that I'm very excited about, and this is one of my, I guess, passion in the last three or four years, is about cryptocurrency. I find it to be like mind-boggling, the whole thing. I read the the kind of the original paper of Bitcoin, and I read lots of papers throughout my career, and that specific paper kind of blew my mind. I'm a firm believer of that type of uh, currency, Ethereum, crypto, and so on. That's something that uh, is also I'm very interested in. Again, it's really fascinating how that's evolved. Yeah, I would say that crypto will be my second. Other than family, crypto will be my my second uh, interest. Got it. So for the Series D funding, if somebody wants to give you Bitcoin instead of the almighty dollar, you... Well, Get your co-founders to say yes to that? Well, it's still hard to buy uh, eggs in the convenience store with crypto, <laughs> but I definitely see a future for that type of, I would say, product slash assets. Love it. Love it. Okay. All right. So you mentioned a little bit about the family and your personal life. I guess the last couple of minutes here, outside of your day job and, and Bitcoin and the family, what are you spending your time on, if anything? <laughs> Other than those three things that actually each one of them takes more than half a day. And then you need to feed that in within 24 hours. Other than that, I have a big family, not only my kind of, I don't know how you say that in English, like small. Like an immediate family. Sorry, immediate, exactly. Not, other than my immediate family, we're only four, like five almost. I have a bigger family other than that. I have lots of sister and brothers and, and my wife also have them. So meeting the family is always a, a, an interesting part. Nothing important, nothing very exciting other than that. It's exciting to meet them and be with them, but I'm not sure that it's very interesting to the rest. Yeah, I think that those three things actually take most of my time. Awesome, awesome. Okay, and then I guess last question I had for you is where can the audience connect with you, find out more about Explorium? What, sure. Where should we point the audience? Sure. So first, you're more than welcome to go to our website, the www.explorium.ai. You can see how the product works and what type of data we have in a catalog and so on. You can find me in, in, in LinkedIn and connect with me directly if you have any questions or you want to you know, just talk. Yeah, I think those will be kind of the main things that to get in touch with, uh, with the company or myself. Awesome. Omer, thank you so much for joining us. Audience, that is another episode of the Infutor Data Solutions Identity Revolution podcast. We will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to Identity Revolution. For more data-driven discussion, subscribe to Identity Revolution on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And for more on how Infutor can improve your data strategy across your entire enterprise, visit infutor.com.